listening to www.infinitesmile.org. Enjoy these Zen-inspired talks given by Michael McAllister. conversation this last week with someone who was asking me rather pointedly what in my experience as a, a Buddhist practitioner I have noticed in the various teachers that I have uh, sat with and uh, had discussions with and so forth if I noticed anything that was really consistent in those that kind of radiated those that really uh, uh, sometimes I use this term, they, they were sopped with Dharma rain. Was there anything that I, I noticed about these, these people? And of course, there are several things that you notice. Uh, among them, um, there is typically a calm that has been supported with this amazing energetic component. I don't know how to describe it, so words will fail me here, but I thought that was kind of cool and consistent in each each of these men and women. There was a, a calm, but this just, just fire that burned in them that I thought was so beautiful. Um, hard to put words to, so I, I won't try. Poets get closest usually, but uh, that was one of the things that I noticed among others. But among the most practical that I think anyone sitting, uh, anyone on the path, anyone on this journey could notice immediately, it doesn't take long to recognize that these men and women who've really put in the hours on the cushion, they've put in the hours of study, and they've really kind of gone with this whole experience of uh, climbing the mountain of spirit and then coming down. I would say is that they all at some point gave up the notion that they knew what the universe wanted for them. They gave up the notion that they knew what was best. Some of you may have seen a quote that I uh, tossed up on the Facebook, uh, Infinite Smile Facebook page from uh, uh, Joseph Campbell wherein he kind of goes through this, this whole idea, and I cannot remember the quote, uh, so forgive me, because I can't remember quotes, so I always say what I thought they kind of meant, and they're usually wrong. Uh, but basically, he kind of went in this direction. He said, in order to really uh, walk into your new skin, you have to be willing to shed your old skin. That we have to be willing to let go of everything we think we know to be true. We let go of certitude. We let go of war. Now, this is really tough for Westerners to hear because, as you all know, since most of you are Westerners on some level, you recognize that we are built on this energy it's all about rugged individualism. Suck it up. Worse yet, just read the secret. <laughs> you know, If you read the secret and your intention is that clear, you will get 
the bicycle you've always wanted, Junior, or whatever it is. You will get whatever it is that you want if you just believe strongly enough. Now, on the one hand, taking full responsibility and being totally accountable to your experience, that's great. And if you pull that from reading such as The Secret and so forth, I think The Secret really delivers. On the other hand, if The Secret is basically just whispering, here's how to attach a little bit more cleverly, then what we've got is delusion masquerading as awakening. So my point here is to let you know that if there is anything in you that is being pulled in the direction of awakening, that is being pulled by this or another version of this teaching, um, which, by the way, is not, has nothing to do with me. It's not, I give you nothing, nothing original, okay? This has been said and re-said, told and retold for thousands of years by people. It is no secret, okay? What we're looking at here is letting go consciously and continually as a way of building a life predicated on possibility as opposed to a life predicated on certainty. And if we can do that, we are essentially building a life oriented around peace as opposed to a life informed by war. And among the worst kinds of war is the war we have with ourselves. It is very natural to go through this war with yourself the minute you really start climbing the mountain of spirit. Because everything, I used this term last week, becomes an expression, a stark relief of where you want to be and yet where you feel like you are. And it doesn't seem to fit in ways that make sense or that are congruent with what you want. And the blessing here is that we don't know and can't know what the universe has in store for us. And there are two options once that kind of begins to really, really hit. Since we can't know and we don't know what the universe has in store with us, we either go to war with the universe or we open to its grace. One of them hurts. The other one hurts even more, but matters less. So tonight when we sit, give yourself that break. <laughs> it's, it's, really, it's really kind of a cool thing when you sit there and you just have kind of one of those moments which is just... I mean, I've, okay, I'm personalizing this, so forgive, but I can remember after days and days in the middle of retreat, in the middle of practice periods where I'd been, you know, away from everything that was familiar for weeks and weeks and weeks, I'd just be kind of sitting there, and I assume, you know, the constancy of the posture, and I sit down, I hear the bell ring, and in my head I'm going, what the hell am I doing here? Why am I doing this? Is there any payoff I would just sit with that. I'm still asking myself that question quite a lot, but uh, I have found that the payoff 
shows up in the most amazing ways. Almost all of them unexpected. Almost every one of them really availing themselves, in my experience, when I let go and I have no idea what the universe has in store. So I'd love to encourage you, walk that path. I'll be right there with you. And so will the person to the left and to the right of you right now. Our next big uh, donor meeting will be about creating stadium seating in here. <laughs> So you ready for the actual quote from Campbell? Yeah, okay. We must be willing to get rid of the life we've planned so as to have the life that is waiting for us. The old skin has to be shed before the new one can come. Isn't that great? We have to, we must be willing to get rid of the life we've planned so as to have the life that is waiting for us. The old skin has to be shed before the new one can come. Does this mean we reject the life that we have? No, that's attachment. Rejecting something is attachment. It's clinging to something that is not what is being presented. Okay? All right? Getting rid of the life we've planned. Yeah, it might sound like, uh, you know, old Joe's clinging there a little bit. But for the most part, what we're looking at here is, do we have the strength to really let go? And to get all Christian on you, do we have the strength to let go and let God? Do we have that strength? Because this isn't a small order, it is a tall order. Um, metaphorically, we are allowing ourselves to be flayed by life. You know, we're letting the universe kind of have its way. We are really, really going against whatever type of uh, inertia we've had moving in any particular direction. We're actually, at this point, we're not allowing for that to occur because we've committed to stillness. the laws of motion don't apply to the life that the universe has waiting for us. In other words, we essentially get out of its way and it comes through us. Similarly, like I've, I've said kind of flippantly, it's not that we do meditation. There comes a point in your meditation practice where you no longer do meditation. Meditation does you. It's the same, it's a same or a very similar type of deal. It's where we just kind of allow the light that is already shining to just burst through all the stuff that's been kind of collecting on us. And some of us have a whole bunch of stuff that's been collecting. I've shared this story before, but uh, I was in, this is when I was kind of starting out in uh, Zen. Um, this person, uh, 
And I was filled with judgment because this person was totally annoying and they smelled of garlic. Okay. I love garlic, but it was so profound. I mean, it was just coming through this guy's pores and he was just, he's a sweet guy, but just always asking kind of the obnoxious question and so forth. So I'm sure there's all sorts of stuff that I had going on psychologically with me, you know, uh, because I tend to ask questions. Anyway, this guy was just kind of, you know, throwing these questions out at this, at this uh, Zen master. And, um, you know, he said, he said, okay, okay, okay. So if a Buddha or if the Buddha walked into this room, how would he walk into this room? Now, a teacher's job is to keep the fire burning, to keep attachments in square, just absolute focus for students. And so the response from my teacher, I thought, was pretty, pretty creative. question, once again, was, what would the Buddha, how would the Buddha walk into this room right now? And my teacher said, well, first of all, she and everybody in the room kind of went, no, 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 but you can watch it kind of going in their head. The Buddha is a guy, right? So what did he do? He put that story, the attachment to that story, that Buddha was a male, was a guy, he put that into everyone's face, just slammed it right in everybody's face like a slap. I thought it was beautiful, and he'd only had a few words come out of his face. That was perfect, okay? I was taken aback, so was everybody else. First of all, she would know whether she was on an inhale or an exhale, As he walked into the room. Now we've got gender switching. Okay? Now we've, I mean, all sorts of stuff was kind of going every which way. He or she, it, would know whether he or she or it was on an inhale or exhale. How many of you know that when you walk into a room unless it's panic? You know? Just that awareness. Okay? And then he said, kind of playfully, and every step would be like the soles of his feet kissing the ground, filled with newness. That sounds kind of creepy and weird. But if you think about it, what if every step was so fresh, was so miraculous? I'm reminded of seeing a, uh, uh, a story about some therapy they were doing with a person who had uh, dealt with some paralysis um, if I can find it, I'll post it. Uh, it was a YouTube thing, and this person was kind of walking again, and the tears that came, every step was so precious. Or have you ever seen footage of somebody who hears their voice for the first time after being deaf? They've had a cochlear implant. You ever seen that? The tears that come? That's Buddha. That awakened freshness at every single step. That gratitude, that, oh, wow, this is amazing. Even when life is hurling lemons at us, it goes beyond just the lemonade. It's something like, it's all okay. This is all serving something greater. And the minute we're in that space, the peace that can kind of come from that. There's no more fight. Not just that there's no more fight left in us, but there's no more fight really to have. There's no need. It doesn't serve. War does not serve from that space. Does it mean that you become this pushover? 
No. Your stand can become resolute in a really beautiful and compassionate way. In indeed kind of a loving, an expression of love. You become that expression of love. You become an expression of freedom. That felt sense of freedom is what we label as love. (laughs) There ain't no fear there. And we attract really, really powerful, powerful things when that happens. Maybe that's the secret. So instead of it being the secret being about manifesting the world that you wish to see, it's about recognizing the unmanifest and its beauty in every aspect of the manifest world. You realize nothing's lacking. It's all right here. You wanted the pretty red bike, or as we get a little bit older, you might have wanted the new car, or the new boyfriend or girlfriend, or the new house, or the letters after your name. You know, we all have those, these, these things we want that we think are going to bring us peace. When in fact, peace is already there, Our work is to let it through. And we let that stuff through the minute we let go of our stories about what peace should look like, what our lives could have been, should be, stuff along those lines. Am I making sense here? It's a really elemental aspect to the teaching. We must be willing to get rid of the life we've planned so as to have the life that is waiting for us. The old skin has to be shed before the new one can come. Life has a great way of making sure that that old skin uh, doesn't stay around for too long. The universe has a way of pulling the rug out from under us all the time. Do we take that fall seriously? Or do we have the experience of watching ourselves as one might watch Buster Keaton? The genius of his pratfalls being reflected in the genius of the universe throwing us into the same type of situation do we have that fluidity that humor can we look at our own situation whatever it is right now and kind of go wow with an understanding and a felt sense that it's going to be just fine (laughs) There's a, there's a book that I talk about every once in a while, Zen Mind, Beginner's Mind. This is a, these are some of the talks that Suzuki Roshi, my teacher's teacher, uh, gave. Um, and I think it's actually a really beautiful, beautiful little book, if any of you have ever, uh, ever taken a look at it. I love this. Um, I bookmarked the wrong page. Cool. I could probably just read from anywhere here. Hang on. So, I bookmarked the wrong page, but it's actually, I guess, the right page. (laughs) He 
starts off this thing talking about the right attitude that we carry into our life's practice. And he says here, this is about negative and positive. He says, big mind is something to express, not something to figure out. Big mind is something you have, not something to seek for. So in other words, the cool message here is you got all that you need. You have all that you, you might be thinking, right? no, I don't have all that I need. I actually need a lot more stuff or I need a lot more peace. Or I need, And the point that's being made here is that it is there. Get out of its way. Let it express itself through you. And we do this by letting go. We do this by having the presence of heart and the presence of mind to recognize fully what's actually going on in our experience and meeting that with radical honesty. Being fully here, fully there, fully everywhere in our experience without pushing anything away and without hanging on to anything for dear life. And that's a scary, scary place to be for most people. This is why meditation is so useful. Because meditation helps us deal with that fear little bit by little bit by little bit. Every single time we sit still, we are exposed in a really rich and powerful and authentic way to surrender and simultaneous to the full expression of who and what we are. Without words, just being. So I'm hopeful that this is an encouragement. Uh, Whatever doubts you may have, they're fine. It's fine to have doubts. Whatever fears you may have, it's fine to have fears. Whatever aspect of you that's thinking that you're making progress, that's great. I would encourage that letting go becomes the work continually. Because what this allows us to do is to let go of the life we think we deserve. And instead, it allows for, to kind of paraphrase Campbell here, it allows for the life that we've always been promised to come through us. And that way we let go of our armor so that we are in a place of total and constant vulnerability to love. So did any questions come up? Anything arise that uh, uh, peaked, peaked anything in you? It's going to be very helpful. <laughs> yeah, it's about time. It's about time. <laughs> You guys are all like, you're all awake now. It's awesome. Well, I yeah. like the idea of judgment being such a huge form of non-love. Mm. Yeah. Anybody else kind of hit anything close to that in their group discussions? Yes. Judgment. You know who said that? Judgment prevents love from arising? Mother Teresa. With judgment, there can be no love. 
That's where she put it. Okay, I'll take it from her. When there is judgment, we have the ego working to stabilize the inherently unstable place of love. Love is not stable. If you're finding a love that is stable, listen very carefully here. If you're finding a love that is stable, you have an egoic negotiation that is really good at renegotiating. Okay? That's small love. Big love is beyond any concept we might have in relationship to stability because it is the source of all things, including your idea of non-love. It's the infinite. The felt sense of the infinite is another way we describe love. So, and this is so hard in some cases to talk about um, because what happens is the ego has all these definitions of how love is um, and it's predicated that entire, you know, I kind of sometimes look at it as a row or, or a series of boxes that it's created this definition, you know, this applies, this applies, this applies, this applies, or a checklist, right? When in fact, we can't really count on anything. And so for us to really manifest the kind of love that comes from non-judgment, we have to be able to let the checklist go and then be able to be fully in the world. Fully in the world. And from this place, judgment becomes kind of a superfluous non-event. And what can we do? We can walk through the world much, in a much more loving way where everyone is an extension of our most sacred sense of self. So it's kind of a cool, very simple teaching. Not, not so easy to manifest. Because why? <laughs> because chaos is something that the ego has built its entire, its job security is built on, you know, pushing chaos away. Love is inherently chaotic. It's inherently huge. <laughs> and unpredictable in, in some, you know, for the ego, it can't manage it. So it creates all these stories around how to maximize its uh, usefulness. And what we run into oftentimes are instead of being in love with a person, we are addicted to how that person makes us feel. Have you ever noticed that? It's a really powerful, powerful part of the teaching. And big love allows for, I had a, a, a teacher who said, <laughs> um, this was, this was, gosh, it must have been almost 20 years ago, I guess. Uh, and I was going through a breakup at the time and I was really lamenting this breakup and this teacher who she was just amazing. Uh, she was saying, well, that deep longing that you feel for that connectivity, that's, that's really cool. That's the universe, uh, basically just working itself through you. Okay. That's really beautiful, that deep longing. The universe itself, why did the Big Bang happen? Because it didn't want to have dinner alone. You know? So it's this impulse to connect. That's really cool. Um, but the breakup itself, you, you know, you're, you're, you, 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 this goes back to kind of Campbell. You have to be willing to kind of let all this stuff go and let it happen because beautiful things will show up the minute you get out of, you get out of the way. I didn't want to hear that. 
I wanted to know how to be not, in my case, it was, I, I don't want to be single anymore, you know. Professionally, this can happen too. You know, you're sick of your job situation. You're sick, you know, well, all right. What are you going to do? What, what is it that you are doing right now to take really good care of yourself and everybody else? It's really, again, it's a, it's a beautiful and powerful, uh, powerful offering. Thanks. Kind of got me going, and I hope that's okay. Good, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's simplistic to say, but it seems like ego is uh, <clears throat> really managed my life so very well mm-hmm. in terms of love mm-hmm. that it's uh, you've pointed out something very good about getting past uh, that uh, that ego that just controls so much of our thought and, and ego is so self-satisfying to uh, call it Masquerading as right. love, and you point out so nicely how that love is really something past. That. I would also point out, since and I've I've known you for forty years now, that's a fair amount of time. Um, that I have known few people in my life who are as full of love as you, um, and it shows. In your kids, in the relationship you share with your much better half, sorry. Uh, <laughs> but it, it shows in you. I would say that ego hasn't managed that, Paul. I would say what has been able to come through you and everyone who's known you is your ego stepping out of the way of something that's much deeper, much more powerful, much more true. And it resonates. It's why you have the friendships that you have. It's why you have all this love around you that you have. You know? I didn't mean, I'm not trying to embarrass you, but I think that anyone who who knows you knows that to be at least, I'm I'm kind of accurate. That's the kindest thing. Just swim in it. Just swim in it. Just let it be. You don't have to. Just let it be. Thank you.